When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the family with Crazy Officer Dave and Andy Brant Bernard. You got uh, Josh on the horn yet? Uh, not yet. All right, we'll get him on the horn. Got a special guest coming up too, Carlos A. Alvarenga. The new book, The Rules of per- Persuasion, How the World's Greatest Communicators Convince, Inspire, Lead, and Sometimes Deceive. Ah! What's he talking about? Huh? Fox and CNN? That's <laughs> <clears throat> what he's talking about? All right, we'll uh, we'll get it rolling. Carl's will be with us in a couple of minutes. Just let me know when uh, Josh is ready to go as well. All right. Yep. All right. So what's the latest? What's uh, what's new? Another cop got shot yesterday. in Iowa. You said in Iowa. Yep. Where in Iowa? Uh, Algona. Let me check a peek here real quick. Yeah, it was went serving a misdemeanor warrant. A misdemeanor warrant. It's like you dude, killed somebody not, over yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. I'm telling so you. So now instead of going to prison for three years, he's going to prison for 300 years. Yep, for the rest of his life. Smart you know. fella. It's just, it's horrible. So, Well, they're told every night on the news that the, the, the cops are evil and yep. they're the bad guys. And oh, yeah. What the hell do they think is going to happen? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the only reason they do that is, again, to make money. Yep. So people, oh, they don't like cops. I'm going to watch them. Yep. It's all Al- about money. Algona, Iowa, uh, 8.15 last night. Went to a residence in uh, Minis- on Minnesota Street in Algona. Oh, oh, really? To locate a male with misdemeanor warrants. Arrived. Suspect retrieved a shotgun from inside the residence. Opened fire, striking him multiple times at close range. Multiple times he shot? Multiple times. Well, that, was, that would mean it's probably buckshot. Uh, yeah, probably. Oh, is that right? Well, you can still rattle off a whole lot of... Shells out of a shotgun that's loaded. Yeah, that is true. Pretty it depends quick. on the yeah. Um, airlifted to the nearest trauma hospital. Wounds were not survivable. You know, once again, I don't hear anybody from either party stepping up and going, "We need to improve the situation with the police departments across this country." No, neither party's talking nobody about. Nobody will. Nobody will do that. Why? Political suicide. Oh God. You no, know, you can't. You can't be liking what is evil. Mm-hmm. But what's amazing to me is I'm not afraid of cops. I never have been, and I've never been in the back of a squad car, not no, even once. That's, you know, me either. I've been in the back, but just for training purposes. But, <laughs> yeah, there um, you, go. you know, it's if everybody is, is led to believe that we're evil, they're going to believe it. And, you know, here this, this guy just went to do his job. Now, is this mainly a mommy and daddy problem? I think it's a a social problem more than mommy, daddy. But it's like, oh, I don't want anybody being an authority over me. They, well, that could be the start of it. That's a big part of it, yeah. That's With what his, I'm thinking. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I, apparently I remind a lot of people of their dad, and they automatically don't like me. Wow. <laughs> it's like, 
you know, they project all their problems. Look, I didn't get along with my dad at all, mm-hmm. but I would never pick somebody on and go, that guy reminds me of my dad. Yeah, well. Nobody reminds me of my dad. It's a, you and you and I have different, well, most good people, or all good people, were raised with a certain amount of yeah. respect for other people. Yep. And then you get the the certain few out there that just, they have no respect for anybody. And like you like to say, more me now. Me, 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 oh, me, it's me, me. It's yep. all about me now. Yep. And again, they're taught that in our school system. Yep. They're taught that on television. They're taught that on the internet. Yep. It's not all about you. Get your head out of your ass nope. and, and it's become about a part all of, of us together. And yep. Nobody sees it that way. No, they do not. And it's, that's why we have all these problems. Uh, you know, there have been pro- problems of different kinds all along. And, and we always have to take them head on. But I, the first time I saw that, oh, we needed to fund the police, I went, do you know how dangerous it's going to get if we do that? Mm-hmm. But they don't know. They don't. They just think they just see us as stormtroopers, basically, and you know, we might as we might as well be uh, Hitler's SS to them. What's <laughs> that far? That's, well, that's pretty heavy. But I I I would have to agree yeah, with you. It's you know, it's what do you do? It's that's what we're stuck with. That's the world we live in. That's a good way to put it. It's what we're stuck with. You're absolutely right. It's just really, really unfortunate. And I really wish it wouldn't happen, but such is life, I guess. It just, another cop. How many cops is that now in 2023? Too many. It's a lot. Too many. I know that. So I don't know. We'll see how it all, it's just, it's really unfortunate that that's the situation. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. And you know, and every time, um, Every time one of these happens, it's like I think about having to wear that black uniform and do the do the honors for them when they die in duty like that. It's so hard to do. Oh, I bet. Oh, God. I mean, you literally are a target now when you put that uniform oh, on. Definitely, 100%. 100%. It's not how it should be. You know, I grew up uh, the... You know, third precinct, mm-hmm. not that far from where I grew up. It used to be on Plymouth Hour. No, fourth precinct. Fourth precinct, yep. Yeah, I was thinking of one that burned down in the George Floyd yep. deal. It was the fourth precinct, which used to be uh, right there on, they closed one on Plymouth Avenue, right? The fourth precinct? No, they kept that one open. Oh, that they one just fortified that one after. Oh, they did. After that's they shut down, you know, gave up the third precinct. Right. Oh, so that's what that, I saw go. Because yeah. I saw a movement. I was like, what do they shut that down to? The governor and the mayor said evacuate the police department, the police station. On Plymouth Avenue? Yep. And so there's nobody there right now? Well, they're they're in the process, so now they have to rebuild it. And you mean the third precinct yeah. or the fourth precinct? Oh, the, the third, third precinct. precinct. Yeah, that's yeah, the one that right. was burned. Fourth precinct. Right, they, exactly. You know, they locked that baby down tight. So there's been 82 deaths in 2023, law enforcement officers. 82? 82. Jesus. And I'll tell you something. Catherine and I went to the Viking game on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Thank God we weren't in Philadelphia last night because they sucked. (laughs) But they also sucked in uh, last Sunday as well, uh, you know, at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. But uh, Catherine and I walked in. You have to stand in line to get Mm -hmm. in. You go through the check-in point. Then you walk through the halls. I am not exaggerating what I tell you. On the way from our car to our seats, seven cops stopped and said, thanks, Tom. Yeah. Seven. Yep. So they're, what am I, the only guy left that is pro-cop? I think you're the only one that actually voices that you're really? pro-cop. Yeah. Why? Because they're afraid of losing their listenership. 
well, then I need to get the hell out of the business. If I lose my relationship over supporting law enforcement, I don't want to be in this business anyway. <laughs> this, this is why you are gaining listeners is because well, you do true. support them. I, the, I do. Know. Yep. I, I've always loved cops my whole life. I've never had any problems myself. Look, and I was a pain in the ass when I was a teenager. They could have busted my ass a couple of times. Probably yeah. not, I mean, not arrested me, but kicked yeah, my no. ass yeah. over there. In a, yep. No, I get you. Never happened. Well, it was. It always went very, very well. You, and, well, you were I, respectful. Went with the program. Didn't yeah. argue with them. And I did indeed. Know, that's and this this actually breaks it down. Thirty five of the eighty two were killed by gunfire. Really? And the other uh, the other what? Nine one one related illnesses. So whatever that may be. Air, one in an aircraft uh, assault. Automobile crashes is a big Jesus. one. Um, COVID nineteen is still on here. Really? One drowned, one duty-related illness means they got sick, caught something Yeah, from a call. Uh, two guys fell, one died in a fire. Uh, one guy died by inadvertent gunfire. Uh, heart attacks, a couple of them, a couple of motorcycle crashes, struck by a train, struck by a vehicle. Jesus. And seven were run over. Just on purpose. Yep. Well, that doesn't shock me. Yep. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabankco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC and equal housing lender. You all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. We have Carlos on the phone. Oh, Carlos ready to go. Now, uh, we're going to go Josh after Carlos. Uh, he's, oh, he actually just joined us on StreamYard. Oh, excellent. Oh, my God. I got to look at his picture. Actually, I'm looking at the oh, ceiling. Oh, there he is. My gosh, you look like you're someplace up in the mountains dressed like that. I'm telling you. Well, I got it's up this morning. Outside. It was 48 degrees, pal. 
a little chilly. We have a special guest, uh, Carlos A. Alvarenga is with us. His new book, The Rules of Persuasion, How the World's Greatest Communicators Convince, Inspire, Lead, and Sometimes Deceive. Carlos, it's like a gift from God having you on because I've been in the radio business my whole life and literally for the past several months, all I can talk about is uh, tuning in to watch the television. No, it's the national news, not so much the local news. But the national news is deceiving us on both sides. They're just flat-out lying, Carlos. There's a lot of money in lying, apparently. Is that what this is all about? Well, it's certainly part of the... Well, first of all, Tom, thank you for having me, Sean. I really appreciate it. It's our pleasure. The book explains that persuasion is chemistry. That's the metaphor that I like to use. And that chemistry can be used to make medicine, but unfortunately chemistry can also be used to to make poison. So there are people as I explained in one of the chapters in the book in society today, who are using language to try to poison discourse. And I think their buying is one example of using you know, persuasion for corrupt purposes. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, I watch the news once in a while. I don't, I don't watch it a long time. I used to. But I tune into the different channels, whether the, you know, it's CNN or Fox or whatever the national channel is. There are some a little more moderate than others. But I could sit there with a pen and a piece of paper and check off every time that I could guarantee that person on TV, news anchor, reporter, whatever, is lying to me. And I bet you I'd run out of paper and ink. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's, there's a lot of money in lying, isn't there, Carlos? Uh, I suppose for some people it is. Yes. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, no question about it. So let's talk about the rules of persuasion. What's that all about? So I wrote the book because I've been coaching people on how to be persuasive communicators for a couple of years. And it occurred to me that uh, although persuasion is sort of fundamental to success in almost every walk of life, most people have never studied it. Because I would start by asking, fill in the blank, right? Persuasion is dot, 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 finish the sentence. And people really struggle with that, which is understandable. So I wanted to explain two things. What exactly is persuasion and how does it work? And that's what the book tries to do. You know, so great about that, using that word persuasion. Uh, my, my father was non, uh, not in the house. My mother raised us all, and her persuasion worked one of two ways. She would either get angry with you, which didn't work as well, is when she just started mm-hmm. crying, Carlos. That was her big persuasion. If she teared up, we all melted like there was no tomorrow. <laughs> well, I tell you, it's, it is a wonderful technique. As I explained the book, the book is, is really... Uh, based on ideas that were articulated a long time ago by a, a, a philosopher named Aristotle. He wrote a book called The Rhetoric. And that book uh, kind of hints at how this is. And so what I did in my book is take that thought and, and expand it. And he says, three things persuade. The character of the speaker. Who's talking to me, right? What organization is my listening to? What is the communicator like? The character of the speaker. The second are the arguments you use. Things like logic and witnesses and proofs. But the third thing is emotion. What emotions do you generate in the audience when you communicate? And the story you just told is a wonderful example of that. And what emotion does, it bypasses right, other systems and cuts right to the heart. And it can, when used correctly, is, is, can be devastatingly powerful in getting someone to believe you. Yeah, I can see that. Now, the, the people, is this something most people have to work on, Carlos, that, that they have to learn how to use persuasion properly? I think most people 
think of it as a, as a, and this is something that I talk about in the book, but I wanted to take away from the readers the idea that persuasion is some kind of soft skill or you're kind of innate or you're sort of born with it, you have it or you don't. And I, as I say in the book over and over again, it's, it's a t- series of techniques and you can learn to be better at it. And we all walk around with the potential to be more persuasive, but because there is no manual, right, instruction manual, or although there is now, but there, there wasn't, that says, okay, this is exactly what it is, how it works. Um, this is why people aren't as perfect as they could be. So hopefully the idea that if, as you practice the techniques, as you understand the chemistry of persuasion, you get better and better and better at it. And now I do get better at delivering a, a message, but you get better at criticizing the one that comes into you, right? When somebody tries to persuade you, you can, you know, why did it work? Why did it not work? Why is this message failing? Why is this message succeeding? And that's, I think, a key part. A great, a great persuader is also a great critic of persuasion. Can you learn to be a great persuader? I think you can. I think it's a combination of talent and technique, right? There's a, there's a word in, in, in the original text called techne. And the techne is a word we don't have a translation in English. It means a practical art. So it is both art and science, and, and we know that, right? Because we see a great commercial that it's not luck. There's, if it's lucky, you would have a random outcome, and it's not. There, there are people who are persistently great communicators because they either have learned the techniques along the way or they just were uh, gifted that way. But everybody can get better at it, right? If you're, if you have talent, and then you add technique, you get really good. But even if your talent isn't that much. Because you have a technique that makes you a much more persuasive person, um, no matter where you begin with, you're going to improve. It's my it's my theory. Does this persuasion work? I mean, I, you think about it. Does it work with your parents? Then does it work in in grade school, in high school? Does it work on the job? Does, does persuasion always work if you're good at it? It, it works in the same way when it works. So, um, for example, the techniques that um, that work. And by the way, I th- my, theory, my, my my book says not only does it work in speech, but it works in all forms of communication. In the book, I look at paintings, I look at plays, I look at hip-hop music, I look at films, uh, like literature, poetry. Whenever people, no matter what time and place, are trying to convince others of something, the rules, that, when it works, are always the same. And so that's what I find very interesting. No matter what age, place, or time, we could be looking at a classical poetry in China or a brand new movie that just came out from Hollywood. If you are persuaded, you're persuaded in the same way, which is I find that absolutely fascinating. Yeah, there's no question. So this this is basically like a a deeper form of I've been trained in in verbal judo. Um, Mm-hmm. So this is this is like a deeper form of of that is what I'm understanding. It's I, 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 it's it's understanding and that all messages that you can give to somebody I say in the book are composed of 21 elements. In fact, I call this the periodic table of persuasion. It doesn't matter what it is. You can look at any message and say there are seven parts of character, seven parts of argument, and seven kinds of emotion. So what a great communicator does, it's like someone in the laboratory. They say, I need this combination of elements, this piece from character, these parts from argument, and this part from emotion, put them together, and when they're delivered well, right, by a great communicator, the chemistry takes over, 
and the audience is persuaded. And you see that at work. And I, I think I have 40 QR codes in the book to YouTube videos where we go from movie scenes to one of my favorite examples, which is Kevin Costner's eulogy for Whitney Houston, which is, you know, which is on YouTube. And it's a fantastic example of a great communicator. You know, it's Kevin Costner, right? The professional right, actor. right. But not only does he deliver it well, the formulas that he built into the speech are fantastically well done. And so um, the, you're right. It is fun. And I say it's foundational to everything. You know, you're, it, to be great in persuasion then leads to being a good negotiator, being a good salesperson, being a good politician, right? It's the foundation on which you build other skills um, in, in all kinds of uh, places and all walks of life, I think, just about. I love this uh, paragraph. In our modern society, we are bombarded with a plethora of opinions and agendas from politicians, advertisers, music, movies, even social media. As we enter a presidential election cycle, it's become increasingly important to understand how persuasion works and affects our lives. Yet it is not remarkable that most people never stop to study exactly what it is or how it works. A prime example of that for me, Carlos, would be half a year our MAGA and the other half are woke. <laughs> That's all you ever hear on the yeah. uh, from these people anymore, isn't it? Yeah, right. That's, that's the interesting part is that each one is is sort of having this battle of words, right? Language is is the battlefield of politics uh, to some extent, and so the to the to the degree that somebody is is skilled at understanding these techniques, right? They move an audience in one direction. You're right. As we go into an election year. It's the great. It's like the persuasion Super Bowl. It's going to persuade an entire nation that uh, he or she should lead it, and this is uh, I, it, it, it is that right. It is, it is the greatest contest of persuasion that we have in America every four years. I'm going to be honest with you, Carlos. I think everybody should go out and buy this book because they would have a better understanding of what's happening to them, what the news, what uh, our school systems doing it in certain areas. Uh, matter of fact, is this persuasion being used almost everywhere now, Mr. Alvaringa? I think so. I, I think that everybody's trying, right? As I say in the book, it, it, there are very few instances of human communication where we're not trying to persuade someone, right? Even if we yell fire in a theater, we're trying to persuade them to leave. Yeah. And so the, the, there, there are almost no circumstances where we're not trying to get someone to believe us. And that's what persuasion is. But the definition of persuasion is uh, the demonstration that something is true or seems to be true, which means something very interesting, that we don't persuade, people don't. Truth does, or the appearance of truth, right? If, so what I want you to do is to get to me, to believe me. Your brain or the audience's brain takes it from there. And so, yes, people are always, or we're constantly being given messages to believe this or to believe that, and then the the question becomes: Okay, why does one message work and why does one message fail? I think really great persuaders are are not so common, but everyone's always trying to do this right. And and I wrote the book because I wanted people to understand: If you're not succeeding, ask yourself why did I not persuade? Hopefully, the book helps you understand why maybe it didn't work, and you'll get better at it. It is a wonderful thing. I will close with this, Carlos. I grew up in a, uh, a very poor neighborhood, and persuasion was always used in my neighborhood by the mothers and the fathers by telling you, I wouldn't do that if I were you. <laughs> I will never forget that, Carlos. <laughs> and by the way, a great example of character, right? One of the three modes. Yeah. Right? 
my character is such that I would not do that. You should, your character should emulate mine. It's a wonderful technique. It is indeed, ladies and gentlemen, rules of persuasion. Uh, how the world's greatest communicators convince, inspire, lead, and sometimes deceive. Carlos A. Alvarenga, A-L-V-A-R-E-N-G-A. Carlos, come back soon. I'd love to talk to you again. Can I persuade you to come back? That's what I want to know. Uh, an open invitation is always accepted. Thank you, Tom. It Thank was my pleasure. Thank Have you, a great day. You too. Bye. You need to know a guy for your auto repairs, legal issues, banking, and more. The same goes for investment advice. You need a guy to help you be successful. Someone you can trust who gets results. Well, I got a guy for you, Josh Arnold. Josh gives you straight talk, not sugar-coated advice about your financial situation. Josh has seen it all when it comes to economic and market conditions, and Josh can make sure that your retirement objectives match your investments. Do yourself a favor and call Josh now for a no-obligation, 48-minute evaluation. You've got nothing to lose, and you'll get a different point of view for your investments. Call Josh at 952-925-5608. That is 952-925-5608. You'll be glad that you did. And tell him his his guy, Tom, sent you. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Tom Bernard is a paid endorser. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Carlos Alvarengula. I See, I think this is magnificent. Uh, persuasion is being used constantly now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think more than ever it's been used uh, and it's to get you to vote the right way. And this whole idea, now i got to run this by you because you're a copper. Okay. I understand that the United States or certain areas, the state of Minnesota alone I had heard, and I, this can't be right. <laughs> the state of Minnesota is talking about giving 81,000 uh, people in this state a driver's license. Mm-hmm. You can't just give someone a driver's license. What, what is, <laughs> the only reason they would do that it's is to use it to vote. Yep. yep. And now some people are saying, well, you can't vote with it. That's not what I've heard. No, I think they took that, that part you out. You absolutely can. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's what the, the, what the right side is. They want everybody to have an ID to vote. Well, the left's like, we'll fool you. We'll get 81,000. Yeah, we'll, we'll just, just give, give them drivers. ID to everyone. They just give, give them out. And the thing of it is, is I don't think they should have to, they shouldn't give them a driver's license. No. You, you know, if you want to take the test, you want to, mm-hmm. you know, Pay the fee so it's twenty bucks for a driver's license, or you know, twenty two fifty or whatever it is for a driver's license. You pay the fee for the driver's license. You take the knowledge test. You take yep. the behind the wheel test. We had and to if do. you want to drive, get a driver's license. Guess what? You've earned a driver's you license. Correct. If you want to just give them an ID, the state makes the IDs that work just the same as drivers look the same. They just say Minnesota State ID now right, right. for driving. I'm 100% fine with you giving them IDs. But not driver's license. But not driver's license. Make them test. Make them do the work and earn the driver's license. I agree. Ladies and gentlemen, Josh Arnold is with us also, and I must tell Mr. Arnold that uh, during the interview I was looking at him, 
and he was leaning his head back up against a padded uh, background, much like a, a headboard on a bed. And I want you to know when you're leaning your head back like that, Josh, you could be the fifth head on the Mount Rushmore. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be too bad. No, to that be would on Mount Rushmore. Too bad. That'd be good. How's business? How's everything, Josh? Business is pretty good. A lot of very interesting things happening as we speak, uh, Tom. On uh, today in the in the markets is what's considered a triple witching day. So all options, or actually, it's now quadruple witching day. All options on stocks and stock futures come due today. This this happens four times a year, and typically it increases uh, market volatility. And in the in the week following uh, triple uh, or, or quadruple witching, um, volatility tends to increase, and the market uh, can tend to uh, move to the downside. Of course, there's no guarantee that that's going to happen but that is typically what has happened additionally we're coming to the time of the year on a seasonal pattern where the old saying is uh sell rosh hashanah which starts tonight and buy yom kippur which uh starts in about 10 days uh, so that would also uh, be a start of a seasonal upswing in in the market. That being Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah is the end of a seasonal downturn, which is, there's also an older saying that says, sell in May, go away, buy in the fall, and and come back. That right? Yeah. By November, sell <laughs> May. Go away. There it is. <clears throat> you just reminded me of a, a great experience in my life. You remember Pat Miles, of course, the news anchor? Yes. Worked at Channel 4 and Channel 11, I believe. Uh, but I've known Pat for years and years. She's a dear person, uh, a good friend, I think. But she told me a story one time that a friend of hers had called her and said they were, I don't know, working at some tv station in new york or i don't know where the hell the tv station was but there was somebody who was uh, uh calling in and asking for alan and apparently alan was not in that day for a very specific reason this guy says could, you, could i speak to alan and the woman says well alan's not in today it's rosh hashanah and the guy goes well rush i think <laughs> I will never. Well, it's Rosh oh, Hashanah. That's, that Whoa. is funny. Isn't that phenomenal? <laughs> Rosh Hashanah is a person. Oh. Which I, I love that story. And Pat could tell the story much better than I can. She's terrific. But <laughs> So what are you going to do for the holiday? Well, I, I, I am with my, with my family to celebrate the Jewish New Year. So we're, we're all together um, at a place near, near my mom's. My mom at age 96 is oh God, that's not uh, not traveling too far from the golf course. Yeah. So if she can drive, if she can get to the golf course, that's okay. But 
coming up to Minneapolis that that takes uh, too much transportation. So we decided to go to her. I'm glad to hear that. That's that's nice to know. Um, I see some people. Now, don't... now I'm not. I'm not trying to be be funny. My uh, my mother is not someone you want to play golf with. Um, you know, some people could say she's a little bit of a ringer because she wins a lot of money playing golf. Is she careful who she gambles with? Uh, I think she's somewhat careful who she she bets against, yes. but she wins a lot of money on the golf course. That wonderful to hear. That's great to hear. So she's deadly around the greens, and you know she gets a few a few extra strokes. Oh, that's so she, the deal. She, oh, oh, here we go. She she's working an angle. That's what she's doing. <laughs> um, are we? How's the economy looking? Because I look at the I look at the stock market. Some days it's down. Some days it's up. Had a pretty good day yesterday, I believe. I don't know about today. Well, we had a had a very good good day yesterday. Right. Part part had to do with one of the new IPOs that came out. The initial public offer offerings came from a uh, a company that was going public again. Uh, uh, Arm Holdings, which is a semiconductor uh, design design company, and the designs they uh, make go into uh, the majority of smartphones. Uh, the The stock would the IPO price, which was oversubscribed uh, by about ten. 10 times came at the high end of the range, $51 a share. It was a very hot offer. Uh, the first trades were about $56 a share, and the stock is currently at 64 So this was a big, I'm guessing, a relief that it went so well. And technology companies, broadly speaking, uh, moved up uh, yesterday as well as there was some decent economic news. Um, so we had a positive day ahead of the option expiration. Uh, Arm Holdings has continued to move up today. Uh, so they've moved up and other semiconductor names uh, have moved down. So my guess is that uh, a lot of investors may have sold some of the other semiconductor names, whether it be advanced micro devices or Micron or Marvell, and said, well, we want to go into the faster moving company or the company with a little bit of momentum, that being Arm Holdings, to see if we can make a little bit more money until... Um, until some other news news comes out. So Arm Holdings is very expensive on a price-to-earnings basis, price-to-sales basis, and um, probably what makes it uh, move a little bit uh, more is the majority owner of this uh, company, SoftBank, still has, has, has only let 10% of their shares go in the public 
marketplace. So there's not a lot of, we'll say, not a lot of inventory uh, available. So that adds to the, we'll say, excitement of this of this offer. Uh, but Arm Holdings is not indicative, we'll say, of the entire marketplace, but it is a positive uh, in that there are more newer companies that are that are going to be coming coming to market. I think the next uh, considered hot IPO would be Instacart, uh, which is due to come come out sometime next week. There you but again, have, yeah. that's that's not indicative of the of the economy. It could be indicative of of the economy. Uh, would be the um, UAW strike against uh, General Motors, mm-hmm. Ford, and Stellantis, which uh, happened today. Uh, the UAW um, is going on strike because their demands for wages and benefits have not uh, not been met by the uh, auto auto companies so they authorized the strike uh against several of the manufacturing plants uh starting starting today and that that strike would uh, would impact about 15 percent of uh, auto manufacturing here in the united states God, what a story! Well, that, that is a that's that's on the that could be on the downside. No question. One thing that, that most people don't come in because people say, "Hey, I've been listening to you guys on Friday. Josh Arnold's on. Could you ask him this? Could you ask him that? You know, they ask me questions, so I ask you. And a lot of them have to do with how is the economy gonna gonna stay stable or not completely collapse with this national deficit. The national debt is massive. What what are we going to do about that, Josh? Well, I'm not a poli- I'm not a politician. <laughs> no, you're so not. That's, that's, <laughs> that, is, that that could end the discussion right there. Um, yeah, the, the debt continues to to pi- to uh, move up. Uh, the government, the government, federal government continues to spend money. Uh, and the government continues to to print money that um, that can't be raised. So, if you wanted to, we'll say reduce the 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 debt, you have to cut spending or increase uh, taxes. And I'm not sure anybody wants to cut spending, and very few people want to uh, see their taxes go up. Now, of course, Tom, there are are some politicians or some people uh, um, I can't name names, but there are there are certain <laughs> certain, <laughs> certain people who would who say that uh, officer dave and and Tom and josh they they make too much money. Oh yeah, and they pay their fair share. So, but nobody bothered, nobody says, well, what, what is my fair share? Has anybody told, given you a percent uh, of what your fair share is? Um, I think we've talked about this, this before. 
Oh, Jeff Bezos is the richest man or second richest man in the in the country or in the world. He doesn't pay his fair share of taxes. And saying, well, he does pay his fair share of income taxes based on his his income or his salary, and he pays his fair share of taxes uh, when he sells shares of Amazon uh, to to uh, help fund his Blue Origin uh, space program, mm-hmm. which is say self-funded, not uh, not funded by the government. I might have some government contracts, but it's not funded by the by the mm-hmm. government. So to me, he's paid his fair share, and I'm sure Tom and Officer Dave, uh, you pay your fair share of, of taxes. Yeah, but Andy doesn't. That's the whole difference. Andy, <laughs> Andy may not. May, Andy may not have a have a high income. Oh, he does okay. I don't evade <laughs> okay. taxes, but I avoid. So then we'll, then we'll then we'll say that Andy pays his fair share of taxes too. Josh, you got to hear what Andy just said to you. I said I I okay. don't evade taxes, but I avoid them. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> there you that's, go, Andy. There, there's, that's what uh, there's Judd a fine Lord line, did. though. No, that's a great line. But that's that was that was part of a decision long, long ago by a famous uh, judge named Learned Hand. He said it is your sworn duty to uh, av- avoid uh, paying taxes, not evade. But pay the least amount of taxes that you you can. Legal. That's your legal right. Well, then I don't understand how anybody could argue that it's it's one of those situations where uh, why did we why did we ever not implement? I don't think it's ever been implemented a flat tax. Why don't we? Just, everybody pays the same. Some places have it, but I don't think the U.S. ever did. I don't think the U.S. ever did. What's wrong with a flat tax? I think a flat tax would be great. Yeah. I would almost, I could almost imply that that it could be biblical. <laughs> okay, I, I but I, how many? I mean, that... there, there. Listen, listen, there, there are. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. Um, what 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 is it that uh, some of my. Non-Jewish friends have said that, uh, just in t- terms of forms of charity, that uh, you should give ten percent of your income for charity. So there's a, there's a that could be seen as a, a flat tax. Give ten percent of your income uh, for taxes. Yeah, but if you combine Minnesota and the United States, because Minnesota, it, I have heard many, many times, they are very serious about implementing a 14% high end. That's a lot of money. Well, I, th- I think it's I think it's pretty pretty close to that now. It is, yeah. yeah. I mean, when you, you based on your in, the income tiers, based on any uh, capital gains, no, Minnesota is a, uh, is a, is a high-tax state. I think now if, with this uh, new number, if it does hit 14, it will be the highest tax state in America. And uh, um, I think the people that want to, you know, impose that uh, tax uh, don't don't understand that 
that uh, people and businesses do vote with their feet. Yeah, they do, don't they? Uh, I think there are some other high-tax states um, where residents have left for lower-tax states. I think California has lost population to states like uh, Arizona and Texas. I think there was uh, another business uh, that uh, I think it was called Tesla run by another very uh, rich, rich guy, mm-hmm. um, Elon Musk, that he picked up and moved some of his manufacturing from California to Texas, a low-tax state. Uh, New York has lost a lot of uh, upper-income residents and businesses to to Florida. And Illinois, namely Chicago, has lost a lot of businesses as well from Illinois to Florida. So Florida is growing. They're a, a low tax state. Is it, I mean, isn't it incumbent upon people to do this? It's like, look, I mean, yeah, we got to pay for fire and uh fire departments and police departments and all the we have to pay all these great things that we really really do need so i can see why people need to pay taxes because these things have to be paid for but uh officer dave and i were just talking about the fact that minnesota wants to give away eighty-one thousand driver's licenses do you think that's a good idea just giving them to people without having to test for them well i, I agree with dave it's it's uh it's not a gift no, it's not. Uh, you've got to you've got to pass pass the test. Exactly. What's what's the idea behind giving away a driver's license? Voting. Because once you got a driver's license, you can now vote in the state. Yep. I th- I thought all you need is a is an ID. Well, that's all you do need. Yeah, um, a state well, issue. Why do ID. I need a, if if I can't pass the driver's test? Um, shouldn't be behind the wheel if you can't pass the driver's test. Be behind the behind the wheel, and you get an ID. Yep, I agree. No, that's that's my whole thing too. Um, is that just an ID is fine. Give them identification cards, but don't just give them driver's licenses. Make them earn it. Make them prove they know what they're doing behind the wheel. Yeah, it's and when if <laughs> if. You, and it's it's the same thing as if you have a if you're uh, um, have a driver's license, you own a car, you've got to go buy the proper insurance. insurance. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, the whole deal. You know, it's you know just giving something to somebody where other people have had to we'll say pass the test. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, makes no no sense whatsoever. No, it does not. But, I mean, the the number one reason they're doing it, and they're not even trying to cover it up, is because that's 81,000 more voters. And in this state, you know how most of the, those people are going to vote. I, I just, you're such a bad politician that you have to buy votes. I mean, you suck if you're that bad at, at being a politician. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you have to buy votes, my God. 
We need better leadership. Uh, you know, that's the other thing, Josh. It, it, it just, do you think the economy will switch or change too much in the next 14 months where the economy, the debt ceiling and all that is really going to affect our next election? Uh, the only thing that would affect in, in terms of economic economic uh, or the economy affecting uh, affecting the election is if we go into a recession that um, a pretty significant slowdown in the economy would have an Oops, we change in leadership yeah uh, typically that's that would be one thing uh, uh yeah i i would say if interest rates get too high that would also prompt a uh a change in a change in the administration primarily because if interest rates are too high that would slow the economy significantly and could increase unemployment and that would be a be a reason for change i would hope so you know i got to i got to tell people that are listening right now and i'm not going to talk directly about what josh and i talked about last night but i mean anybody out there listening right now or watching us right now can pick up the phone and call you for advice correct that is that is correct because I called you for some advice last night and ended up actually much happier than I was. So you actually cheered me up for once, for Christ's sake. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't oh, buying it. Oh he ain't buying it at all. <laughs> but I, do you, what I, I guess what I'm trying to say, Josh, is that I think instead of trying to make decisions themselves about uh, where they put their money, how they spend their money, is this a good idea, is that a bad idea, instead of trying to come up with the answer yourself, all they would have to do is reach out to you, people like you, and they'd get the real answer they need, correct? That would be correct. So why? No, I, have to, I have to throw in the normal, the normal caveats, past performance is no guarantee of, of future results. <laughs> there you go. Markets are always changing. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I give everybody the... Um, the benefit of my own own experiences and what I think makes makes a lot of sense in current economic environment. And how are you looking at it? You look, are we going to have a couple more good years or is this election really going to change the way things look in another year and a half, two years? Well, um, I've, I've been told that I make decisions purely on what on my views of the economy and the stock market. Right. No, it's understandable. Stop. So, and of course, you know, if I'm voting voting for for somebody uh, on a on a national level, again, I get I get hit. You don't you don't look at all the social social um, social impact of some of some of the decisions. I said no. I typically will vote on the candidates' views on taxes, uh, trade. And Israel. Ooh, oh, I want to talk more about. Boy, that. you're too you're you're much too short sighted. <laughs> so, you don't you don't you don't think about what's going on in 
uh, in, in the cities. You don't think about uh, health care. You don't think about, well, you don't think about wokeism. You don't think, it's like, hey, to me, if a, a lot of issues can be solved, uh, if people can make their own own decisions relating to, um, we'll say their finances. If taxes are too high, people don't have enough money to uh, spend uh, on their on their families and and or invest for their future. You need uh, uh, trade to keep commerce mm-hmm. going. And I happen to have been partial all my life to to Israel. Now, I want to ask you about that because that's obviously coming up again. Uh, one of the big reasons it's coming up, Israel's in a lot of people's uh, brains today. A lot of that has to do with Netanyahu, correct? Uh, today, yes. Um, there are an awful lot of people who do not like uh, what is going on in Israel. Uh, due to, uh, I'll say, the, the politics and some changes that the coalition that Netanyahu has put together uh, wants to put in place. Uh, and bear in mind, um, I am not an Israeli citizen, right. so I have no, I've got no vote there. Right. I'm an, I'm, I am an American citizen. I have a vote. I have a vote here. God, you know what's so amazing to me is many years ago, maybe about 10 years ago, when was Netanyahu last in office? Was there about a 10-minute, 10 10-year uh, uh, break? Uh, that, that's about right, about a 10-minute break. About a 10, <laughs> or a 10-year break is what I meant. That's about right, isn't it? Well, depending on from which time that he was in office. Yeah, right. When he came back. I mean, his... I think this is the fifth time that he has been. Um, is it really? Uh, the yes, it's about the fifth time that he has been been elected. God, it's so amazing because I I, I think I told maybe maybe I didn't tell you the story before, but I went to a Catherine and I went to a restaurant called Amici down in uh, on Palm Beach Island. This is uh, God. I guess ten years ago, maybe maybe it was fifteen. I never know these things anymore, <laughs> but it was a long time ago. And we're sitting there eating dinner, and about two tables down, this table is surrounded by very large men, to the point where you couldn't see between the men. They surrounded the entire table. You could mm-hmm. not see uh, who was sitting at the table, what was going on, or if there was even a table there. You couldn't tell. It was just a circle of men standing there. Apparently, they right. were all bodyguards for Netanyahu. He was having dinner there that night. And they didn't let anybody near him, man. It was unbelievable. You know, it, just the, um, I'll say, Netanyahu is a big man. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Officer Dave <laughs> might be smaller uh, than, than Netanyahu, but he is a big man. And, um, and if there are other big men surrounding him, uh, that had to be a big, 
big table. <laughs> oh, it was. Believe me, they they were. You couldn't get anywhere near that thing either. I will tell you that. Basically, you got to look like no, nah, even think of coming over here. <laughs> so that was good. What is what is what is all the strife in Israel? Uh, you know, over the past couple of decades, let's say, what can the people of Israel not agree on? Well, it's it's like the old story of uh, you get three rabbis together and they have uh, ten opinions. <laughs> so that it's basically is it's all based on. Uh, what well, kind of there's there, there's a lot a lot of that i mean you've you've um you have a lot of different factions and how they want the country to be to be run um and that that creates a lot of say e- internal uh strife and then you have the external uh issues relating to the, um, we'll say to the, uh, to the Arabs or slash Palestinians. Um, although, um, no, I won't even, I won't even go there. Uh, but, <laughs> Starting down that political road. I don't, here I we don't go. want to, I don't want, I don't want to go, go there because that's some political things. And then I'm going to start saying some things that, um, I might, I might regret. The real Josh uh, Arnold comes out. Here we go. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, we, we do have a no, caller to save you from yourself. You no, know, it's there. If you have one um, one group of people that wants to say uh, they want a one state solution, right? And the one state solution is you don't uh, you don't belong here. Oh, and you um, we want to drive you out to the sea. And that's not going to happen. No, I would hope not. Um, uh, and I I just look and say, hey, here's um, here's a very small, small country that has. I don't I do not believe there are more than eight and a half million people. Yeah, I think it's about right. Eight and a half million is right. And you have a lot of other people that want to see those eight and a half million people um, go someplace else. God. And then I could also just, just say there are maybe 15 million Jews in the entire world. And there, there are a lot of people that would like to see those 15 million people disappear because they think those 15 million people are responsible for all the ills in the world. And you and I know that that's not, that's not true. Well, I know it's radio people. That's who it is. (laughs) That's the cops. Yeah, the cops. They're the big. Andy, (laughs) Andy has a call for you, I believe. Josh, is that right, Andy? Uh, Oh, not for Josh. I'm, I'm going far far afield of uh yeah of some things that i can i can talk about i understand so, we'll, we'll get we'll get back some technically the call is for doug because apparently he said some incorrect things this morning and doug uh, sprinthal yep doug sprinthal well what did he say well why don't we let bill fill you in bill 
Hey, Doug, how's it going? Doug's not actually here. No, he's not actually here anymore. Oh, isn't he? All right. I thought he heard him. Um, Hey, Tommy, how's it going? Not too bad, sir. What's the latest with Dougie? Um, Well, ours is with the UAW, what we're asking for. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it started in 2008. We gave up a lot for Ford so they could stay in business. So that way we can get checks too. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was a handshake deal between the UAW and Ford that once things started getting better, that we'd go ahead and and uh, give the get our concessions back. Well, Ford, with the last contract, said, no, 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 we're not going to do it. The last contract, we got a 3% raise for the first and third year in a lump sum for the first and fourth and so what they're asking for now is the 42 percent increase in pay which is what each of the the ceos of ford stellanis and gm got and you know get our cola back that we lost get our retirement back that we lost Mm -hmm. you know it's it's we're, we're not trying to be greedy we just want back what we had lost, and since the economy has gone the way it is, we've actually lost money instead of gained money. So that's what they're asking for, and it's a bargaining situation. So uh, Ford will say we'll offer you this, UAW will say we offer that. Eventually, once we get down to somewhere in the middle, both people can agree on it, then we sign the contract and we go on, on uh, you know, making more trucks. And, you know, hopefully things, you know, get solved pretty quickly. We've got uh, each company has one plant that is out on strike now. Everybody's still working except for those three plants. Oh, I see. I didn't know that. I had no idea that that was the case. So that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, we're still making money. They're still making money. And... Hopefully they can sit at the table and talk with each other and come up with a viable solution that would make us be able to be able to live. You know that sure. Like you talk about your mom with with you know going out to eat and leaving the tip for them. Well, right now we're at a situation where things are too high that we can't go out to eat and leave a tip. Right. So. You know, and the family, oh, geez, I think we went to McDonald's to eat the other day with the four of us. It cost us $52. At McDonald's? At McDonald's. Holy Anna. So Man. It, 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 our people are just kind of asking for what we've worked for, what we've helped build this company into. Um, no, I'm just working for Ford, so I'm just talking about Ford. Sure. Um you know, but it's it's a fight. It is every year that we get in contract season that that every four years this is the same thing that goes on. So, well, could you stay in touch with us while this whole thing goes on? Would you just call in once in a while and tell us how things are going? Most definitely. All right, sir. Well, thank you very much for your time today. Hey, Tommy. Yes, sir. I love you, buddy. Who loves you more than me, Pally? I got a job because uh, of you. 
Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even argue nope, that. It's all I me. That. That's why. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Right, we'll talk to you later, brother. Thanks a lot. Josh, we got one more minute, so you get the closing argument. I get the closing argument? <clears throat> yes. Closing argument, buy stocks. <laughs> That's the whole argument. There you go. <laughs> That's the ar- argument. Buy, buy stocks, don't buy bonds. All right. Well, there you go. When you, are you coming back town next week? I'll be I'll be back in back in town Sunday night. All right. So we'll see you in studio next uh, Friday. Then we can talk. We can talk more uh, next next Friday. Um, plenty to talk about. Not only about uh, the the broad economy, but also about uh, the, some individual stocks, which I like to talk about. Sure. More. Um, cause I'm not so sure people are interested in my, my opinions on taxes, trade and, and Israel. They might be more interested in my opinion on stocks. All right. We'll get back there. I just, I just think anybody giving, uh, a, you know, their opinion on anything is good. It teaches me things. So I don't have any problem with that at all, but we will see you in studio next week, pal. Thank you. We will look forward to it. Thank you very much. See you, Josh. Have a good week. You too. Talk to you, Dave. Thanks, Andy. That'll do it. Talk to you next week.